0: Ryan Miller, and for the past 15 years, I've helped hundreds of people to raise millions of dollars for their funds and for their startups. If you're serious about raising money, launching your business, or taking your life to the next level, this show will give you the answers so that you, too, can enjoy your pursuit of making billions. Let's get into it. Do you ever feel like you know a ton about business, but just haven't found the right business to start? Well, I have a treat for you. My next guest is about to introduce you to a new fund sector, somewhere between venture capital and private equity called search funds. So in this episode, we're going to chop it up on how search funds help entrepreneurs to build businesses through acquisitions. So the question is, how are you going to use this information to be a better investor and entrepreneur? All this and more coming right now. Here we go. Hey, welcome to another episode of Making Billions. I'm your host, Ryan Miller. And today I have my dear friend, Ibrahim Rahim. Ibrahim is a recovering McKinsey consultant that has turned the private investment space on its head when he became the managing partner of Moonbase Capital. It's a new type of equity fund that blends venture capital and private equity into what is known as a search fund. So what this means is Ibrahim understands business, he understands funds, and he's about to give us a masterclass on how to win in both. So Ibrahim, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Ryan. It's
1: really a pleasure to be here. I love your show, by the way. I love the energy on it. I love the ideas. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Man, it's an honor to have you. And yes, we've been very fortunate to be in the top 2% in the world. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you, brother. So, you know, I'm very intrigued of Research Moonbase Capital. And I'm wondering if you could just walk us through on, you know, 60 seconds or less. What is a search fund?
1: A search fund is it's entrepreneurship through acquisition, which basically means an entrepreneur who does not have an idea and doesn't want to do a startup, but rather wants to go out and look for a company with specific criteria and then buy this company. So what we do as investors, we work with this entrepreneur during two years when they're looking for these companies. Once they find the company, the entrepreneur becomes the CEO of this company. We help run the company. So it's a mix of venture capital because you have an entrepreneur and you have the entrepreneurship part, but also you actually buy a company that exists, uh, which makes it and you use leverage. So it's a leverage buying. So it's an end of the day. It's a mix of both, I'd say.
0: Man, brilliant. So entrepreneurship through acquisition. I love that. So you're somewhere in between VC and PE where you blend both. You know, For a lot of people starting out in this industry because we've got listeners from around the world and a lot of them are emerging fund managers and some are aspiring to be that or even entrepreneurs both work in your case. For those beginners, maybe you can walk us through some early value that we can give them on, let's say, how do the beginners win in this industry? And also, how do they not lose?
1: So as an investor in search funds, it's a bit different than than investing in, in, in other asset classes, which is because you need to help the entrepreneur and support the entrepreneur during this period. And so one advice is make sure early on as an investor in search funds to have your value proposition clear so how are you going to help these entrepreneurs because if the entrepreneurs are happy with your value proposition then you will you will you will for sure get other good entrepreneurs and and if you have good entrepreneurs pipeline will be good and things start to move in the right direction so for sure the value proposition is is, is one 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 main thing that that we do
0: Okay, and now on the downside, how do they not lose? Like for example, I would say vetting those entrepreneurs because I mean, I'm assuming you don't just take anyone just because they ask you to help them. They're obviously the entrepreneur is a big success factor. It's a critical path factor for you. How does vetting your entrepreneurs come into play as far as running a search fund? So
1: that is basically a. a- period where we just do interviews. So we just do interviews about the passion, what they want to do, are they ready for leadership? But honestly, Ryan, the fact that we work with these entrepreneurs over two years, quite closely in our case, you really have enough time to vet them because you don't have to invest once they find a company. You have the option to invest or the right to invest, but not the obligation. So what happens is we work quite closely with our entrepreneurs, vet them over two years, many different situations help in that. And then finally, you know them quite well by the end before you decide to put the real money in.
0: Man, brilliant. So vetting your entrepreneurs, aligning with a good pipeline of deals and entrepreneurs, these are some of the early ways to add points on the board and also not lose a few points when you're beginning. So this is brilliant. That's a true sign of a master is they can simplify the complexities of their industry. So that being said, speaking of your industry, I'm wondering if we could shift a little bit to um, the market. I'd love to see what you're seeing out there, particularly just where is the market at? And and after that, maybe you can help us understand where do you see this going?
1: So- it's very interesting because search funds started at Stanford, Harvard, but Stanford mainly uh, 30, 30 years ago, so mid-80s. And it started very slow just because of the nature of how much time it takes to to, to, to ramp up. Today, especially in the U.S., uh, search funds are growing a lot. And if you think about the the markets in general the SMEs is a huge part of the market that generally speaking does not get a lot of investment. I mean, you have a lot of people pouring money into large caps. You have a lot of money being poured into venture capital and startups, but this whole middle section, if you think about it, it's not a, a, it's not where finance goes, it's not where investment goes. So, But on the other hand, from a size perspective, this middle part is more than half of the economy. It's maybe 80% of of, of the people working in this SME part. So in the end of the day, it's a huge part of the economy that doesn't get any investments. So you can clearly see that the growth, the huge growth of search funds over the past, especially the past 10 years, makes, makes it obvious that we're just scratching the surface of this SME chunk. And the, I, I think it will, it will, it will grow enough in 10, 15 years. To compete with venture capital in terms of size of investment, it will take some time. But with, if it's, if it continues in this trajectory, I think very soon you'll have three asset classes, private equity, venture capital and Search funds in this private equity world,
0: man. That's brilliant. So SME, these are the places where we want to go, and it's an um, we'll say an emerging asset class. I don't know how to use a big college word, but what it, it really is that this is like an island emerging out of the ocean of capital, where you can actually park and build something impressive. So companies that are in the middle ground, where they're too big for VC but too small for PE, this is where Moonbase Capital, Ibrahim and his team start to come in very, very handy for a lot of entrepreneurs. So imagine. Calling Moonbase Capital, you're a very seasoned business professional, maybe a recovering consultant like my friend Ibrahim here, wherever you got that information or that knowledge, then you can call Moonbase and say, look, guys, I know how to run businesses. I know how to keep profit margins. I just need a company. And they go around and you work with them to to actually build that business. Would you say that's a fair statement?
1: Yep, yep, yep. I would, I would say that. And the beauty of it is it's it's a different type of risk profile for entrepreneurs So, if and for investors. So it's not the high risk, high reward model of venture capital, for example. It's more a model where the reward will never be a, a unicorn, but you can reach 10, 20x over five years. So you still make quite a good. I mean, the average IRR according to Stanford over the past 30 years has been 33% for search funds, average IRR for the market. So that's higher than than average of VCs or private equity or any other asset class. Now of course I need to say the market is still 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 not that big so I'm not sure if it will continue to have 33% IRR on average over 30 years but uh you can clearly see that there is a lot of value there that so that's why
0: it's it's also growing like crazy wow that that's phenomenal, so maybe that's some of the benefits of an early ish adopter. You said uh it's been around for thirty years and still emerging, but uh a thirty three percent any investor uh should be very happy with that for an annualized return so you know, thank you for that on the market now, I'd love to just transition to kind of the heart of the matter. I'd love to just cover you've been very experienced, you still are, and you run in Moonbase, you've done all of these amazing things now you have the luxury of what we call a look back analysis. So through your own personal look back analysis, we'll say, I'm curious if you have any, we'll say cheat codes for anyone in this industry, whether you're um, an investor like yourself or someone on the other side, what are say two or three cheat codes that you could prescribe to some of our listeners around the world?
1: Stay with us, we'll be right back. AI is changing the game of business. Will you be on the winning team? I'm Jordan Wilson, the host of the Everyday AI podcast and your coach to help you learn the X's and O's of AI. Artificial intelligence isn't just a new player in the game, it's a new sport altogether. So if you don't quickly put AI into play, your competitors will run up the score. I've spent my whole life building winning teams from coaching basketball to working with big players like Nike and Jordan brand. My next move? helping you win with Everyday AI. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or on everydayaipodcast.com. Let's tap into AI together and put points on the board. Good question. I mean, for us, what worked really well is the connection with the searchers. The way we've done it is, first of all, we we, we were clear to position ourselves, people who will help the searcher as much as possible. And to position ourselves, this took a lot of work, starting with podcasts, white papers, trying to have webinars with people and, and try to add to the community. So slowly people were like, okay, these guys know what they're talking about. And secondly is when you work with the searchers, you we really made an effort to get close to them, to support them, to help them in any way they decide. And that's an important part because... The, they're entrepreneurs. So if you recognize that it's their journey, their entrepreneurship, you need to support them, help them, but it's more about them. They feel it and they 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 recommend you to other searchers and then you will get the best pick of the searchers, which naturally means the best pipeline. So that's one part which which I think is very important and and you need to make sure you 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 do that in order to get the best pipeline and, and survive. Now on the other hand, the the choice of companies, the whole market really looks at the same criteria somewhat, which is this criteria of having a size of one to five million euros EBITDA. So that's the size we work in, which is a great size, but it's still smaller than what private equity usually uh, runs behind. And at the same time, it's not as small as a startup or a company that doesn't have management. So it's a very good size and uh, you look for recurring revenues. so You look for for businesses that are quite safe. You look for businesses that have a big margin and that have a good cash flow. So I would say stay within the agreed upon search fund criteria that the whole market basically follows. What we do extra after doing this for a while is we always look for companies that have the potential to to grow a bit. So you don't have to, because some people are more of the private equity style where it's more of a, a safe, pay back the debt type of investment. We do that as well. But one advice I would give is try always to have in your portfolio one or two companies that are able to do the 20, 20X, the 10X, the 15X, because this will take the whole portfolio to another level. But the, the beauty also is but the downside, if given the diversification that search funds allow you, because let's say if you have a fund of 30 million euros, you're going to spend these for 30 million euros over 50, 60 companies because on average you put half a million, one million. So it's, it's, it's at the end of the day, you really spread out your, your bets, which, which makes the downside given that the asset class is so safe and that you can see the company, you can visit the company, putting also this diversification to it makes the downside almost zero. So, so that's, that's another big part which I would, which I would recommend diversify as much as you can.
0: Yeah. So building that diverse thing, and you talked about it, a lot of that is building that portfolio one, but also number two, more importantly, is make sure it's diverse, especially building that network of entrepreneurs. And you mentioned just getting out there and making sure, as I like to say, your reputation and your relationships, right? Two most valuable assets in your possession. And so getting out there and and just building a reputation in this industry, sometimes I call that your integrity, but also just being a known advocate and voice for people who can, can be successful in your industry. Entrepreneurs will gravitate towards that. They are a different animal altogether. They consume a ton of information. And so if part of that is you, and then that messaging brings them to you, now you've established through blogging, maybe you go on people's podcasts called Making Billions or some other amazing ones, and just get your voice out there to be a known advocate. This acts like a magnet. It can bring a lot of diverse entrepreneurs to you. And this is what Ibrahim and I are are, are standing on the hill, yelling over the bullhorn, saying like, you got to get out there. You got to build your voice in this industry, because if you do it, now you have an opportunity to bring entrepreneurs to you and that is a heck of a lot easier it takes a while but it is a lot easier when they come to you than you going around chasing every little butterfly that flies past you would you say that's a fair statement
1: 100 percent. 100 percent couldn't have been told better on top of it also in the search fund world the market is or, or the, the, the people are really well knit together which is very interesting you don't have the same attitude between the investors in private equity and venture capital the way you have in search funds. search funds are really good friends because you're not really competing Each Mm -hmm. investor invests anywhere between 2 to 15% of the company. So in any cap table, you'd have maybe 15 names of investors that all work together. So we don't compete the way, for example, private equity competes. And in this regard, we always are very much helping each other. The same on the search fund, on the searchers side. Searchers are really in touch together. They talk about their investors. They talk together. So I I think what you said is even more true in search funds, simply because it's such a close-knit society.
0: Yeah, that's right. And often, uh, so I have the, the wonderful opportunity to coach amazing and brilliant people. And they, they often say, Ryan, I love your show. I've, I've, I think a couple of days ago, someone was like, I've been, been binge watching making billions. And I, and I was very flattered. And so a lot of people are like, I think I'm going to start a podcast. Should I do it? And I say, absolutely not <laughs> coming from the guy who actually has a show, but really, if you want, you can, um, but it takes a while to do that. But. The alternative, and I think this is what Ibrahim's saying, is you can spend a long time building your own show, or you can just do what Ibrahim's doing and just go on podcasts. And so you can talk to audiences that have already been built up. So there are fast ways, as we used to say, let the fast go fast. And so getting out there, being an advocate, having your voice in the industry so that entrepreneurs can trust your advice and start coming to you for that advice. And now you got a pipeline of entrepreneurs. Big part of that is just go on other people's show. Uh, along with blogging and even events and speaking on stage. I mean, there's a lot of ways for people to get familiar with you, to trust that you know what you're talking about. And those are just a few areas. So definitely Moonbase has got it figured out. So what about building a network of professionals? I mean, how does that work because we talk about building a network of entrepreneurs. Maybe if that's all right, maybe just touch on some of those things as far as building a network of professionals.
1: I mean, building a network of, of professionals is not necessarily a uh, a part of how all the all the investors invest. That's a very moon-based like thing and for some others, which is when we started and that's actually one of the ingredients, which I didn't mention when you talked about the, the secret to success. So please note this important point. <laughs> so wh- when we started working with entrepreneurs and we found that we need to add value as much as possible, search fund is really wide because SMEs, you have so many sectors, so many different things going on. So it, what we did is I went back to my MBA buddies, to people I worked with at McKinsey. So I went to other people that, that I know well, and I, and I asked them to Become parts of part of an advisory group for for Moonbase to help fellow MBAs, fellow you know young professionals who want to have advice on managing the company on a certain sector, and it worked crazy. So what I've done is I've I've created this program for a bunch of my friends really, and all of them were very excited to join. And now we have around fifty people who we call once every few months. To just have a call, we connect them with, a, with an entrepreneur, and this brings a lot of value to the entrepreneurs. And at the same time, the, the advisors love it because you see your sector from a different angle. Like this SME, usually, if you're a big multinational, you you don't get to see this, this perspective. So they see more about the sector, and they they they, they see the where they love the inspiration of talking to an entrepreneur who has a dream. They always say they're very excited. So 100, I think the more help you get to your searchers and your entrepreneurs the more they will succeed, which means also you will succeed.
0: I love that. And have you ever found that, uh, I'm just curious from your your experience, have you ever found sitting on boards to be helpful to you? I'm, I'm curious if if that is ever an element that you've been able to fold in as far as, you know, building your network, meeting other professionals. Have you ever uh, tried the the boardroom?
1: I, I mean, I I love it. That's my uh, favorite part of the, the deal. I mean, I don't really, personally, I don't act like a, Board member, I really act as a team member, so yeah, I do the mm-hmm. board part, but I always stay one extra day, two extra days with the team just to work on a certain topic or or mm-hmm. answer a WhatsApp at a certain situation. I, I really think that CEOs and entrepreneurs need board members who are not necessarily pushing them, but rather who are their support and who are there for them and can 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 do the the task as needed. So for me, board board seats and, and working with entrepreneur on a certain company is where I personally love it the most and where I'm, I'm the most comfortable. Probably given my consulting background and my CEO background. (laughs) So that's where I feel I love it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sitting on boards is a wonderful way. And and if I can round that out from my own experience, folks. So what Ibrahim and I are talking about is, as I like to say, it's one thing to get in the room. It's another to be remembered that you were there. And so too often we can go to these networking events. and the, But the issue is, is that everyone kind of goes there to take. No one really goes to give. And so the the answer is, or, or the, the better question is, what room can I get in where actually everyone there is, has some means, connections, whatever, resources. And what is that room? And it's often not a local networking meetup event. You'll have great conversations and raise no money or do no deals, right? Everybody shows up. And so people with the means, what rooms do they go in? they go to the boardroom. And so in the boardroom is what we hope networking events actually are, but never turn out to be. And so by going to board meetings, now we're meeting people who do show up to give, who do have means and resources to provide, but they don't let anybody in that room. So building yourself, like Ibrahim was talking about in the early days, being a voice, being an advocate, talking to universities, all of these things start to come to a front and allow you to be the kind of person that they open the door and let in the boardroom. And now you're building your reputation relationships even further. Would you say that's a fair statement?
1: I mean, I I, I wouldn't, I mean, I didn't think about it actually before you said it, but let me give just reflect on my own uh, experience the other good thing about being in a boardroom is that your true experience and wisdom really comes out because you're sitting a small bunch of people on a table talking about something so your character your wisdom your experience comes out really nicely and you bond with people who resonate with you i didn't think about that but you're right i mean i for some of the people i think we have the biggest mutual respect and biggest friendships in a while is people who are with me in boards because you bond on these topics especially if Company does well. So you have success together makes it very easy to enter another success together. So yeah, I actually didn't think about that the way you
0: put it, but I agree 100%. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful place. And, uh, it was a a mentor of mine that kind of walked me through. So it's the ultimate rich guy networking event is the boardroom and he sat on public companies and, and it was very successful. And so he counseled me in the early days. And I never forgot that this was over 20 years ago. He's like, don't go to local networking events. It's not that they're bad. It's just your hit rate's quite low. But in the boardroom, your hit rate's quite high. So you have these high professionals. And imagine if you've been able to sit on the board of, I mean, it will be ridiculous, but Disney and Apple and, you know, like you say that out loud, instant credibility. So I absolutely love that. And that's another way to get these money and deals to come to you in the search fund. So. I did ask for three things, so I'm curious. Some of the cheat codes, or, or just some of that early experience that you've been able to share. What would you say would be a third element that you can share with people who are launching a search fund, or really any kind of fund?
1: One one important part is I know this is not something which is said a lot uh, in the investing world uh, because it's a world where all of us are looking for the IRR, etc. But entrepreneurs, especially, feel that you are different if you deal with them in a in a in, in a more personal. In a more uh, understanding and empathetic way, for and if you understand the struggle they're they're going through, so I would I would I would simply add being a human being before being a investor I think is a big thing because in some ca- in, in some circles the word investor is not even uh, looked at anymore that uh, positively simply because in some cases investors overly push their their people. So one thing that that I personally do is I don't look at myself as an investor with the money and I'm going to come in and invest in you guys. It's more of your, it's your project. You're the entrepreneur. I have some means to help you. And of course I make sure I I, I get the benefit. I'm just talking more about your, your attitude towards the relationship is not one of I'm the investor, you're the entrepreneur. And, and I'll, uh, I'll, you know, it's more of let's really work together on this as a team. and, And this has helped me a lot in, Building my name as as someone who the entrepreneurs want to work with.
0: I love that. And you know, I'm curious of, of what you've been able to find through all of that. Now, typically in acquisition kind of funds, a big part of that is understanding what your some people call it your buy box or, or your investment criteria. I'm curious on that. Do you have how important has it been to just have that clearly defined buy box? And I'm um, if, if you'd love to share, I'd love to hear what what is a buy box for someone in a search fund uh, as far as you're concerned?
1: So as I mentioned briefly, there are certain criteria, first of all, that all of the search fund investors agree on. And this is, this is a major, major part because this allows us to be 15 investors who never talk together one sentence and still be able to sign on the same shareholder agreement and invest, and all of us are aligned. It's because of these criteria of what type of companies you're looking for, how long do you want to stay there, what IRR we want. And so these criteria are, some of them are the size, so they beat down to 5 million euros, the recurring revenue, margins of at least, you know, 15%, high margins, at least 15%, beat the margins, at least to have a market where you don't have a monopoly, so it's like a fragmented market, you have a market that's growing, you don't have one supplier that's controlling the company, or so there's a bunch of those. But then on on top of those, there are two types of investments. There is more the they call them the, the Harvard side, which is more private equity, which is more leverage a lot and and do maybe M M&A. and A, and then there is the Stanford style, which is which is more growth oriented. And and between these two, it's really a tasting because we mix both. But personally, I like more the the Stanford one. Maybe also because I'm biased, but I like growth. I mean, when I was CEO, I was all about growth. I think growth makes the journey much more exciting. Uh, growth within within reason, because there's no reason to. It's not a startup, but still if you can manage to get in a, a proper growth rate over 5 6 years and then exit a the good exit, then you can do get your your 10 20 times and, and you know that and, and that's what i personally would would love to you know see so yeah
0: awesome yeah i love it man thank you for that so as we round third base this final question is there anything you would want our fans around the world to know anything at all
1: i just would really be happy if they look more into search funds because I can bet you and maybe people who leave in the comments that 95% of your viewers don't even know what search fund are. And and that's my, I talk to a lot of people in the finance world. Most people don't know it. And it's because it's so much an MBA uh, it's something that comes out of MBA. So there's a few business schools that are bigger on it and, and it's still growing. So that's why it's not so known. So I would, I would really encourage them to look into it, especially, especially the ones who want to enter the investment world, but are not big, big very big funds because search funds, the average ticket can be half a million euros, dollars. So with half a million dollars or even less, you can you can put less if you want. So you could easily with $1 million have a portfolio for companies. So it allows you to enter the investment field quite prominently, not so much money. So I would, yeah, I mean, I'd push them to read more and know more because it's very exciting. It's a very exciting uh, field.
0: All right. Well, you heard it from the master himself, Ibrahim Rahim from Moonbase Capital. Just search, search funds and, and really learn that business. You might be surprised as much as I was of how amazing this emerging asset class is. So just to wrap things up, Learn to build a diverse portfolio to protect your downside. The second thing that he mentioned was build a network of professionals, and there's many avenues that you can go about doing that. And then finally, have a clearly defined buy box. You do these things and you, too, will be well on your way in your pursuit of making billions. Wow, what a show. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to leave a comment and review on new ideas and guests you want me to bring on for future episodes. Plus, why don't you head over to YouTube and see extra takes while you get to know our guests even better. And make sure to come back for our next episode where we dive even deeper into the people, the process, and the perspectives of both investors and founders. Until then, my friends, stay hungry, focus on your goals, and keep grinding towards your dream of making billions.